This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope you're having a good one out there today. Glad to have you back again listening to this podcast. Appreciate everybody out out there who does listen, whether it's just occasionally, whether it's almost every day, whether it is every single day. Um, I appreciate all of you. Appreciate the feedback you give me. Helps make this podcast better and better and uh, keep growing this thing as we go along. We've got a lot to get to today. I'm going to focus a lot on Tim Conley, new uh, Timberwolves president of basketball operations. He was introduced to the media on um, Tuesday and to fans, of course, as well. Um, we got to got to know him a little bit better. Got to ask him some. Uh, got, the media got to ask him some questions on uh, on Tuesday in a news conference setting, and uh, some interesting things came from that. And I want to get to that um, myself and Chip Scoggins will join me here in a little bit as well. He was at the news conference. Um, and he had some extended thoughts on uh, what Conley had to say and what uh, what the Timberwolves should be thinking as they go forward. Talk a little bit of Twins as the show goes on. They split a doubleheader with the Tigers on Tuesday. Kind of treading water a little bit lately and uh, probably need to uh, step it up a little bit with competition getting better here soon starting Friday in Toronto. But we'll see about that, more about that in a little bit. NHL um, Western Conference Finals, 8-6 to six was the final score. Colorado over Edmonton in Game 1. That is an amazing final score. So I, I hope you guys watched that game. That was amazing. Um, Dustin Johnson, interesting uh, golf story with Dustin Johnson. I want to touch on that. And uh, we'll get to a, a memorable Patrick Royce column that you should read as well. But first... What did I miss? Like I said at the beginning of the show, going to spend a lot of time on Tim Connolly, his introduction to uh, the Twin Cities media. I wrote on Tuesday before the news conference started, basically kind of the three directions that he could go as he thinks about, you know, shaping this team, shaping this roster. You know, not just him, in conjunction, of course, with other people, in conjunction with other, you know, decision makers on on this uh on this staff, he did talk a lot about collaboration on Tuesday. That was a key word that he used. That seems to be a key word in a lot of leadership these days. We have, of course, heard that a lot from Kwesi Adolfo Mensa when he took over the Vikings job and Kevin O'Connell as well uh, when they came into their positions with the Vikings just a few months ago. Definitely heard some of that from uh, from Tim Connolly as well, that they should be you know, having decisions that they arrive at together. And that, uh, you know, there should be a lot of discussion, a lot of debate, a lot of, you know, deliberation, but that at the end of the day, it should be their decision, you know, kind of combined and then a unified voice for the team. Um, But basically going forward, they have a few different options on how they can proceed after, you know, winning 23 games a couple of years ago. That was just a 72 game season. So, you know, keep that in mind. Then 46, they doubled their win total in 10 more games, but still, that's a big jump that they made last season. Got into the play-in, won the play-in game against the Clippers, got to the playoffs, played a very competitive, memorable, for sometimes the wrong reasons, series against Memphis when they blew three fourth-quarter double-digit leads and fell in that series in six games. So you can kind of see how close they are, but how far away they are. So they've got some different ways they can think about how they should proceed going forward. So the first course of action is more or less just to run it back. And, you know, that that's kind of the approach that I think a lot of 
new general managers, new personnel bosses, however you want to define that role. That's sometimes the the approach they take. Don't come in and make a lot of major moves right away. See what you've got with your current roster. See what you've got with the team that that you've inherited before you make any big decisions. Um, you know, have have some have some information before you dive into something. You know, for the Timberwolves, that would probably mean playing next season with pretty much the same roster they had last season, which, you know, in certain contexts wouldn't be the worst thing, right? I mean, this is a team, like I said, that made a major jump a year ago, jumped into, you know, the top eight in the Western Conference after so many years of being bad, you know, made the playoffs for just the second time since 2004. Um, So you could see the logic in that if you wanted to go that route. Um, You know, that would mean probably keeping D'Angelo Russell in some way, shape, or form, whether it was some kind of extension, whether it was just letting him play out the final year of his contract. He just has that one year left. Um, And then, you know, not doing much to the roster because you're kind of boxed in with some luxury tax stuff and other things. That that would mean, you know, trying to improve from within, trying to improve from within, counting on the improvement of Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels to make another leap next season so that this team is not just, you know, top eight, but top five, top four, you know, and, and things like that. Second thing they could do is reshape the core of this team. And I think that to me would mean finding a way to move on from D'Angelo Russell. And that to you know, that to me got to a little bit of what Connolly said in, in his news conference. I thought this was interesting when he said success isn't linear. Something he said something to that effect where you know, I, I feel like he was bracing people a little bit for the fact that they might not be better next year than they were this year, that maybe some things fell into place this year. The West was down this year. The Wolves took advantage of you know some cohesion, some relatively good health, didn't have a lot of major injuries last season, especially to their very best players, and again, made that big leap. So that to me would mean if they're going to, you know, if, I, if we're talking about reshaping the core, I think that to me means trading D'Angelo Russell sometime this offseason, maybe not necessarily getting the best player in return or going out and getting a star player, you know, in this uh, in this next uh, in this next offseason and kind of evaluating how you what's your next big move and maybe that doesn't come this offseason, maybe your priority this offseason is figuring out how to give yourself a little bit more flexibility so in 18 months or in 6 months even you have that uh, have that kind of space to make that next big move and go get that next player. So, to, so to me, the uh, the idea of you know reshaping the core probably means getting rid of D'Angelo Russell in some way, shape, or form. Whether that's just kind of a straight up salary dump, or whether there's a more creative solution where you get some value in return. I don't know. I don't know. I don't exactly know what D'Angelo Russell's value is in a trade, but uh, I thought it was interesting that the that Tim Connolly was asked a couple times about the roster. And uh, I'll just play the quote about you know how you know how he he talked about you know attracting free agents here, and the way he started this answer was interesting to me. You're not going to find a more talented couple of players in the league than what we have in this roster. So hopefully, word spreads. Hopefully, word spreads. This is where you're going to come and be treated right. Uh, we have, I think, a wonderful ownership group that represents um, a really diverse mindset and approach to it. So. Our goal is to let the results speak for themselves, and hopefully these players talk. Um, as I mentioned to these guys, when, when we first had the conversation, um, you know, 
I did a lot of homework and background on everyone on this on this stage, and I hope that as we continue to build winning foundation and and develop, it's this is the place you want to come to win. It's not about um, the weather. It's not about um, having you know some of these flashier markets. We're going to come here to win, to be treated fairly, and have a lot of fun. Now, when he said a couple, that to me uh, obviously means Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. That does not include D'Angelo Russell. So it kind of reminds me of how Gerson Rosa started talking about the roster he inherited when he got here. And he started talking about, he started distancing himself from the idea of a big two and started talking mostly just about Carl Anthony Towns and not Andrew Wiggins. And that was a signal that Wiggins is going to get traded at some point. It doesn't mean necessarily that that uh, D'Angelo Russell is going to get traded. I think, you know, he's had some complimentary things to say about Russell as well later on in the news conference. But identifying a couple of talented players, to me, um, lets me know that he thinks of those two as their main core and that anybody else on this roster might be expendable. Now, the third option, which I wrote about, which I don't think is going to happen, is blow it up. What if he comes in here and says, you know what? I think we're good right now, but I don't think we're I don't think our ceiling is much higher than what we accomplished this past season, which is 46 wins and a first round playoff exit. Let's blow up this whole roster, trade Carl Anthony Towns, build around Anthony Edwards. I don't think that's likely. I don't think you do that right now. That would seem premature. That would seem silly. That would seem, you know, based on what he talked about Carl Anthony Towns and how talented he was, that would seem to me that that would be a tough a, a tough decision for him to make um but you know this is a brand new decision maker this is a brand new person who is going to evaluate this with a, with a fresh set of eyes and you know like he said success is not linear so that to me you know i don't think that's a that's a i don't think that's a this off season thing i don't think you come in here after you know going from 23 to 46 wins and then blow up the roster but that is an option that is a way you could go if you looked at this roster and decided, you know what, this just isn't going to, I don't think this is going to get much better. But again, I don't think that's a this offseason approach. My best guess is that they do option number two, that they move on in a certain direction. I don't think they can just stand pat this offseason. I think they need to start reworking their core this offseason if they're going to take a step forward going, uh, you know, going into the future. So we'll see. A very interesting offseason for Tim Connolly and the Timberwolves, and we got a few more answers as to how he might address those things going forward. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Now, for more Tim Connolly talk for another perspective and just kind of more specifics from the news conference. I want to bring in Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist. He was over there. I believe he's going to write something a little bit later this week with a few more of his thoughts on that as well. So I hope you enjoy this conversation I had with Chip. Happy to be joined on Daily Delivery today by Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist. He was over at Tim Connolly's introductory news conference. I checked in via Zoom on that as well. Had a few thoughts, but I wanted to get Chip's thoughts as well. Uh, Chip, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Mikey. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on. Um, so, you know, I, I brought up a little bit of this in the introduction here, but a few things jumped out at me, and I wanted to know what you thought of these things. First, um, you know, a few different times, um, new president of basketball operations for the Wolves, Tim Connolly, 
went out of his way to talk about Chris Finch, the head coach, you know, special coach. He called him at one point, talked about the relationship from Denver, how, you know, he left Denver, but but Finch was coveted when he after he left Denver. And, you know, sometimes it can be awkward when a, you know, general manager, personnel boss, whatever you want to call him, inherits a head coach. That doesn't sound like that's going to be a problem here. No, and we actually talked to Chris Finch afterwards, too. We had a little media session with him and and he said that he's known Connolly way before uh even the nba they their past go way back and he knows the family and um sounds like they have a really good relationship and uh kind of see things alike and that was one of the the things you don't know about when you when you bring in a whatever sport a guy who's going to run the entire operation and he inherits the coach your first question is that coach is in trouble, right? Exactly. He, yeah. know, it, right. It, even if it's a good coach, there's always that situation where they want their person, they want right. their coach, right? And so I don't think that's that's going to be the issue here at all. Sounds like he's really enamored with Finch and kind of uh, has a great relationship with him going in. So I think that makes the transition really uh, smooth. Um, ownership actually asked Finch about. Tim Connolly during the interview process and what, you know, got his thoughts on it. And so um, it sounds like they're going to be able to, you know, start off on a good foot. And, and I don't, I'd be stunned if there's any kind of change. I don't see that happening. So it sounds like just the relationships they already have really puts them in a good spot starting off this, uh, this new tandem. I was going to say, cause on the flip side, what, what, what did Finch say about Connolly? If you got to talk to him on the, on the side there? Yeah. He's, um, the thing he said he told the uh, the owners is that if you get to meet him, you're going to love him, um, that he doesn't carry himself. And, and this came through in the in the press conference. Yeah. Too, that he doesn't act like he's the smartest guy in the room, whereas in some cases he probably is on certain situations. And sure. so um, and I, you got that sense from from Conley, too. He seems kind of uh, grounded, humble, not full of himself, kind of, you know, uh, talked about and having to go out with beers from guys with other teams uh, when he was on the road and traveling as a scout or, a, you know, in the front office. So, and that's, that's everything you heard from people who know him in reports about just his personality and um, kind of a gregarious guy that, that a lot of people like and is well-respected. So uh, a lot of those things came from Finch, too, and just said that he's a really easygoing guy. And um, sure, they'll have disagreements from time to time over um, – you know, a player. Oh, yeah, you should. How, how the roster is going to be constructed, but you should. He said. He said they both see and value modern basketball. So it's not like you're you're bringing in a guy who views the way the game should be played completely different than the head coach. So I think they see things similarly that way. So I think they're in a good spot. Another thing that I found interesting. This was maybe about halfway through. Um, Connolly got asked about the the Wolves Memphis series, just kind of as he watched it from you know watched it from a distance. Obviously, maybe he kind of knew, maybe he knew even at that point that he might have a future here. I don't know what what he knew at that point, but you know it was interesting. He you know he talked about um, you know he was asked about that. He said you know a couple balls here and there, but the turnaround this year was impressive. And he, he said it's an entertaining series. And he he talked about kind of going forward. Success isn't always linear is a takeaway quote for me, and I don't know if that's just something that's his philosophy no matter what or if he's kind of saying, look, like this year kind of came together, and I don't know if next year is going to be the year, if it's going to be two, three years down the road. Like it's it's going to take a little bit of building, like maybe things fell into place. How did you read that quote from him? 
Yeah, and I think, um, and Finch sort of alluded to this too, that the assumption is, okay, they doubled the win total. They won 46 games. Well, that's the baseline. So now you got to win, you know, 50 or, 50, you know, you got to take that next step and be even better. And I think that's Connolly's way of saying, hey, look, I got to see what this roster, you know, I got to see the salary cap situation. I got to see what everybody's, I got to figure out how the pieces work. And I don't think he's saying, you know, I'm going to come in here and rebuild and bottom out. But I think no. he's also saying, I'm going to have to do something with this roster. And I think it's going to get to your third point that we'll talk about that, <laughs> you know, um, you have Carlton Towns that's going to be on a Supermax contract. And, oh, by the way, Jane McDaniels is going to need a new contract soon and, and in a couple of years. And Ant's going to have a big contract. And who's going to be your point guard? D'Lo. Um, you know, you're going to have to decide on him pretty quickly. Is he your guy for the future, or are you going to try to move him and, and start over a point guard? And so I think that's his way of saying they made a big jump this, this year, but it's um, just to assume that you're going to take that next step and be, you know, winning a playoff series going farther. It's just not an automatic. So, um, so I, I think to me, he understands that there's some pretty big ticket items yes. that they have to address in terms of this, in terms of this roster and, and salary cap. Well, and that's, you know, it does go to my third point. We maybe I'll kind of back up for just a minute though, because you know, the D'Angelo Russell question is, is a big one. That's probably the biggest one. I think the cat supermax is a huge number. It's over 50 million a year, but you know, that's what you pay star players. It just, it's just, you're going to have to do it. Yeah. That's not I me mean, to me. That's not a question. That's you're not a question. Be, you just got to go, not you might, pay it and start not like, you might not like it, but you, you might not love all the money, but you know, the money's out there. The money is there for a reason. So, but the, the D'Lo thing, it's like, you know, you could probably run it back next year and, you know, win 40 to 45 games again if D'Lo was your starting point guard again. Like, you could have another good season, but is that, you know, is paying him beyond that or is that is that model sustainable? So I don't know if he's setting us up for that at this point, but maybe that's kind of what he's hinting at. Like, you're going to have to shuffle this around a little bit, and it might take some growing pains at a certain point if, if that is indeed, if you do move off of D'Lo in some way. Well, and that's the thing is, is I, and I keep coming back to this, um, Mike. In an elimination game, they didn't trust him to be on the court. I know. Yeah. In the fourth quarter, and you can't pay a guy thirty million dollars that you don't trust to be on the court. No. In winning time. No. And I mean, he was he tried to say as many complimentary things as he could about D'Lo and that, hey, they don't win forty six games without him, and he he didn't notice. Uh, what do you say? He gets streaky. He has, you know. Uh, I forgot the phrase he used, but he basically said when he gets hot, you know, he's he's streaky. But um, I, I think he's, you know, he's he's smart enough not to lock himself into saying, okay, he's our point guard of the future. Because I, I just don't, when you look at Cat's Supermax that's going to happen, and in a few years, what you're going to have to pay uh, Ant and Jaden McDaniels, I mean, how's it all going to fit, you know? I mean, so I, that's where I think... Um, I just don't see how it works, whether it's you, you do it this year or you start over next year with what he's, you know, the, the roller coaster ride that you ride with, with D'Lo and the amount of money that he's going to want yeah. and command. I just don't see how it fits. No. And so, um, so that, that's, you know, I think he's not locking himself, you know, at his introductory press conference, he's not going to lock himself into anything. No. But he was what what he didn't say on D'Lo was more telling to me because he he got asked about the roster. He said we have a so I don't know what the exact quote was, but it's like a couple of really two. Talented, yeah, I think he said couple, two. I think he said a couple or two talented couple, players. Yeah. And later he was asked specifically about 
Cat and Russell. I think that was uh, Kent Youngblood's question from our paper. And he said Cat. He talked on and on about Cat, one of the most talented guys in the NBA. Look forward to getting to know him better. Best thing we can give Cat is stability. But I don't think he really addressed D'Lo in that question, did he? No. Well, he he answered it in the fact that, like I said, he said, yeah. um, you know, they went to one forty six games without him, and he's um, he had some big shots. It was not the, capable. That it was not the same kind of praise. It was not with the same gusto that he gave. No. With, uh, he, didn't, he didn't talk about how everybody in the organization is <laughs> talking about his work ethic and no. uh, how vital he is. And, 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 I mean, that's sort of what I expected him to say because, um, let's just be honest. I mean, how is he going to be part of your future, Mike? Yeah. No, I get it. I mean, On the flip side, though, he did say the best thing we can give Cat is stability. So I'm, I'm a little confused there. I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering what the game, what the plan is going to be there. Well, I, I, to me, I took that to mean coaching. Okay. And, okay. And um, you know, because I mean, and and front office and front office because they just lost. And, yeah. Because the roster is always going to change. Yeah. And you're never true. just going to. Um, but but if you're talking about roster, to me, your your absolute fundamental core pieces are Cat, Ant, and Jaden. Right. I mean that that's who you're building around. Um, Chris Finch said in our in our session that. Jaden McDaniels needs to have the best offseason of his life. So they're clearly anticipating him having a, a much, much more significant impact and role. And so, um, but I, I, I took that to me when he started talking about stability. I mean, look at, look how many coaches he's had, yeah. right? Yeah. How many different true. systems, how many front offices, um, how many just kind of reincarnations of what they're trying to be and who they are and, and cultures and all that stuff that they talk about. Um, it has been, just uneven for cat and so um that's where i you know that's another knock for or another um sign or indication that finch is here for the long term that that they see him as um who they want to go forward with and and there's not going to be any kind of coaching changes because you're bringing in a brand new president of basketball operations i mean he is finch is his guy i mean the fact that he started off calling him finchy yeah I don't think if you're playing on Get Rid of the Coach, you're going to call him by his nickname. You're not going to call him Finchy. Finchy, I got some bad news. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're going to do exactly. that. Uh, exactly. Uh, uh, last uh, last thing for you, Chip. Any other overriding thoughts from that or just just thoughts on the hire in general? I mean, it's kind of it's a pretty big swing for them. It's a lot of money. It's a it's a guy who's done yeah. it before in Denver. It's an interesting move. Well, I, the thing they could have done, Mike, yeah. they could have played it safe. right? And when I say they, I mean ownership. Sure. They could have they could have played it safe and kept Gupta, right? Yeah, and yeah. a lot of people probably would have been happy with that. I mean, he didn't, you know, he's not going. He's not going anywhere, all, right? He's not going yeah, anywhere. You could have kept him yeah, number one. Yeah, yeah, keep him number one, and that you know, just elevate, take the interim tag away. Um, although, I mean, that roster construction was all Gerson. Finch was Gerson. Yes. Um, you know, he didn't really do anything in terms of roster construction um but i think he's well liked and well regarded within the organization so i think um you know but they didn't yeah they said we're going to go out and make a splash we're going to make a big hire we're going to go try to get a guy who's uh well respected within the nba league and it's going to cost a lot of money yeah. and they got it and they did it i mean you're talking about you know eight eight million dollars a year um with some ownership stake which glenn yeah. taylor said today was basically a bonus, the, you know, he didn't really go into too much depth about the, the, the ownership equity other than to say it was kind of a bonus, but $8 million a year. 
yeah. um, is, is a big, you know, I, I got to imagine that puts him in the upper echelon of basketball operations um, guys. So I like that they took a big swing. I like that they're aggressive and not just tried to play it safe and do the, you know, do the safe route, safe route and conservative. And so to me, this comes back to, doesn't it feel like this organization finally has some momentum? Yeah, it does. Right? Yeah. With the coach, with the roster, with take, you know, doubling their win total, getting in the playoffs as bad as that was in, in the blown losses, with going out and getting uh, a well-respected um, veteran uh, guy who to run your operations. Um, it just feels like this is another part of, of that uh, organization being on the right track. There's no guarantees it's going to lead them to a championship, but it feels like they're making the right steps to stay on the right path and they have momentum now. Does indeed feel that way. We'll see how far it takes them. Chip, good stuff. Talk to you soon. All right, Mikey. Appreciate you. Now, Chip is, uh, you know, he's coached some youth basketball. He's even less of a D-Lo guy than I am. And I don't, you, know, you look at D'Angelo Russell, you can't deny the impact he had on this roster, the impact he had on winning when he was playing well. But such a streaky player, such a uh, you know up and down, hot and cold. You know, it's hard to, you know, hard to imagine committing yourself to someone long term like Chip reminded everybody of, who couldn't be trusted to be on the floor in a tie game, a crunch time of an elimination game in the playoffs. So that to me was the biggest indication that that might not be a long-term fit between these two sides. But we will see. We will see what Tim Connolly has in store for this roster and this franchise going forward. Let's talk Twins for just a minute here. Um, finished up a very good month of May, went 18-12 and 12 this month. They are 30-21 and 21 overall in first place in the American League Central. A bad division right now, although the White Sox getting... A little bit better right now. I think you know at this point, Twins have a pretty good chance of making the playoffs. Baseball references 60% and probably about an even shot at winning the division to get into the playoffs. But kind of some some cracks starting to show. They split that doubleheader yesterday with Detroit. A good start from Devin Smeltzer in Game 1. But Cole Sands, unfortunately, not so great in Game 2. And no offense, lost 4 nothing in that second game. Uh, as good as they were at the start of May, they went just three and five in their last eight games of the month. All of those games against Detroit and Kansas City, who they had been feasting on earlier this month. So they've kind of burned a lot of their kind of easier games and did not capitalize on this recent stretch where they, you know, they had some some more favorable matchups. And now things are about to get tougher, right? We've talked about this a few different times, but after these next two against Detroit, you've got three at Toronto, three back at Target Field against the Yankees, and then three against the Rays. Um, Again, after that, it gets a little bit easier again for a while, and their schedule, just because of how the AL Central looks and works this year, should have a lot of patches of favorable matchups. But, you know, overall... You just have to look at this and say, ah, you know, three and five in their last eight. Everybody's going to hit a little bit of a rough patch. They've kind of been banged up. They've got they're missing a lot of their better players. Um, but you know, these games count. And I just, I, I as good as as good and as, as surprising as they've been, and for you know the pace they're on right now to win like ninety five games, I still just have this feeling of you know, is this for real? Now they got to June with this mark. They deserve you know. They deserve some respect to get to for getting to June at thirty and twenty-one. Um, if they can stay, 
if they can just if they can at least go 500 this month or even a little bit better then i'll believe a little bit a little bit more but those nine games are going to tell us a lot if they can come through that stretch against toronto the yankees and the rays and you know come out of that with four or five wins at least then i'll believe a lot more in this team right now i'm still kind of in that wait and see mode um I'm surprised at how good they've been. I, I just don't know how, how long it's going to last. I don't want to be pessimistic because what you see with your eyes is a 30-21 and 21 team. Um, but come back to me in two weeks when we've seen how they fare in that nine-game stretch, and I might have a different evaluation. I might be ready to believe or I might be saying, eh, I had a I had a feeling I worried about this, that this was, uh, you know, that the foundation had some cracks in it. So we will see how that nine-game stretch coming up goes. Let's turn to golf for a moment. Dustin Johnson um, is going to be playing in an L- the first LIV golf event, the Saudi Arabian, uh, you know, big money golf tour that's created a lot of controversy because of obviously their history. Um, Phil Mickelson creating a lot of controversy when he talked about it, um, being requesting release from the PGA Tour to play in that. Although he's not um not not committed to the not committed to be in that list right now but Dustin Johnson is going to play and it must have had a change of heart because when Phil Mickelson talked about it in February Dustin Johnson basically came out and said uh what did he say I feel now is now's the time to put such speculation to rest I'm fully committed to the PGA Tour um now his agent saying Dustin has been contemplating the opportunity off and on for the past couple of years Ultimately, he decided it was in his and his family's best interest to pursue it. So Dustin Johnson playing in this big money Saudi Arabian golf tour event, uh, first event coming up in a couple weeks here. So that is interesting. This is going to be an interesting thing to watch for golf all around and just who is committed to it, who is committed to this. Um, Sergi Garcia is playing in it. Um, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, a lot of big names going to be playing in this field, but Dustin Johnson was the surprise uh, because of how he had responded to this a few months ago. So, how this impacts the PGA Tour going forward, how this impacts these individual players for making this decision, will be interesting going forward as well. Um, let's get to the cooler here. Dark Star, <clears throat> ten years ago, passed away. Patrick Royce, great column. Dark was his friend. Um, Dark was a friend to a lot of us. Um, he just kind of told a lot of Dark Star stories in a column he wrote, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Go check that out if you would. Even if you don't know who I'm talking about, even if you don't know who Dark Star was, which hopefully you do if you're listening to this podcast, but even if you don't, longtime Twin Cities radio host, personality, you could find him at Canterbury, an awful lot. Just a character of characters and uh, a great tribute from his friend, and a friend of this podcast, obviously, Patrick Royce as well. So go please read that if you would. That will do it for today. Thanks for joining me here on Daily Delivery. We'll be back at it on Thursday, expecting to have Ben Gessling for some Vikings talk on Thursday's show. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you again tomorrow.